It's a Carson Price for Friday, September 15th, 2023. We're coming to you from Neighborhood Brewing, downtown Pentec, in the corner of Winnipeg and Westminster in advance of the Vancouver Canucks Young Stars Tournament. That's Sakaris alongside Blake Price, Grady Sass, hitting switches, conducting things in this show, presentation of Applewood Auto Group, where we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of Applewood Auto Group with great deals on new Nissan Leafs and Rogues. You can get the QX50, the QX60, leased from 3.99%. No charge maintenance packages with purchase and a chance to win $25,000. See dealer for details because, Blake Price... It is all good at Applewood, and we're here at Neighborhood. <laughs> thought I would riff off All the moment. hoods. All, all the hoods. How yes. was your drive up? Uh, splendid. It was gorgeous. Um, I've never seen somebody fall asleep so quickly. Not even my children. I knew it. As Grady did. Grady was like a like a puppy that had gone for a five-hour right. hike. He got into the car, and he was purring like mm-hmm. within, oh, within so moments. Cute. Yeah, within moments. Even without his mask. And it, not like a not a, like an hour ma- uh, nap, not a ninety-minute nap. Okay, a four-hour nap. Well, I found it odd that you were responding to my texts. I'm like, where's Grady? Voice to text. Don't worry, folks. Of course, yeah, of course. I know you're a voice yeah. to text guy. And then it all came together for me. It's like, right. Grady out, will out be like in Never Neverland. Yes, yeah. Had my shades on, put the hood over my eyes. Oh. I was it was like he was on an overnight flight. He, he was on the red it's eye like you're the f- from Vancouver it's like your Blake's fifth child or yeah. sixth. Honestly, I've, I've got a narcoleptic kid. Even she doesn't fall asleep for that long on road trips. That I, was something else. I offered my services as co-pilot, but with maps and GPS these That's days, it's all not right. needed. Didn't need you, Navigator. He told me I was in the clear. Bodog poll question today. We're asking you, is the Canucks prospect pipeline back to where it needs to be? Yes or no? You can vote at Sakarison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source. Free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. It's a big number on the Bodog line of the day for the BC Lions. they got to cover 10. And as Coach Rick Campbell told us yesterday, it's, um, you know, Ottawa is known for playing close games. They don't win a lot of games, but they do play close games. So I'm going to take the points here. Tomorrow at BC Place, it's a 4 o'clock kickoff. The Lions back off their bye against the Red Blacks on your Bodog line of the day as for the poll question blake i i can't say it's back to where it needs to be it's improving i, I think it's got better depth than we have seen in a long long time in mm-hmm. fact maybe the most depth we've ever seen in the 12 out in the 12 years we've been doing this show but it's missing that high-end centerman i don't think there's anybody in the organization right now that projects as a number one or a number two center and it's just missing i think some some more quantity of high-end players. Like, you look at LeCaramacchi, yeah, he could be a high-end player. If everything goes right for Danila Klimovic, he could be a high-end player. But, you know, do you have the high-end centerman? Do you have the high-end defenseman? We'll see what Wheelander becomes. So I voted no, but I do think it's getting there. And I do think they've got the best roster here at Youngsters. Yeah, I, I, that, that's what I feel like we're measuring here with this poll question is, yes, it's a good roster here at Youngstars. What does that mean about the whole pipeline? And uh, we'll see what the feedback is by the end of the day if people uh, see this as a finish line, which I think would be a mistake. I, I don't think it's a finish line, but it's um, 
it's something. It's something yeah. to hold on to at the very least. Well, the worry is that it is a finish line because, of course, they're so desperate to make the playoffs. And would they peel right. more assets, be it draft picks or be it prospects that they currently have in the system by trade deadline to fortify or in season if you get an injury and feel like you absolutely Matt, I, have to patch the dam? I was mildly concerned they were going to trade away the Wheelander pick. Wow. Like because of the desperation mm-hmm. to make the playoffs. They didn't. So I, I'm almost more hopeful that they will hold on to that first yeah. rounder in 2024. Remember, they don't have the second. So. The very first Vancouver Canucks practice, albeit Young Stars practice, has taken place here this morning at the South Okanagan Events Center. They didn't do any kind of line rush work or anything like that. But we do know that the big Belarusian, Nikita Tolapilo, will be the starting goaltender tonight. This is a kid who came over from the Elsvenskan, Swedish second division. Has a lot of size. He's an interesting project for goaltending guru Ian Clark. So he's going to start the game tonight. Canucks playing Friday, Sunday, Monday here at Youngsters. Of course, the Oilers, Flames, and Jets also participating. Um, there was an interesting piece, and we'll get into the results of yesterday's Bodog poll question regarding Elias Patterson and his future here if the Canucks were to miss the playoffs again. There was an in- interesting piece from Shana Goldman. Of the athletic yeah. projecting Elias Pettersson's next contract. Take can, us through can, that. Well, considering the RFA, so uh, their algorithm, their equation, if you will, um, suggested he had an open market worth of fourteen million per season cap hit. Mm-hmm. But because he's an RFA, not a, uh, an unrestricted free agent, um, they brought that down to twelve four, I believe. Wow. Uh, twelve three, twelve four. So that's. You know, that's still pretty rich. Uh, But at the same time, given the profile of the player, and especially if he has a good year, I mean, that doesn't seem crazy for me to think. No, and especially with the cap going up. So is the assertion that there'd be more, like, that if he signed now, 12-3 wouldn't be available? To him? Because, like, everyone knows the cap's going up. No, I think... So you can't overcommit. Yeah, I mean, I... I think it's it's not speculative necessarily on when this deal gets signed. I think it's sort of in the now, but um, you know, I I think. Do you think the number changes drastically from signing today? No, see that that's why. Like, I mean, barring him going out and having like a heart trophy season, and I'm not sure anybody's winning the heart trophy these days outside of Connor McDavid. I don't necessarily think the price is that much greater because I think teams and, and agents already know the cap is going up and are negotiating along those lines to begin with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like a second 100-point season certainly fortifies its his case. Maybe it moves the needle slightly upwards, but like if you're the Vancouver Canucks, you need to get this guy signed and signed long-term. And I think you'd be just as willing to hit whatever price tag he may think he can get or his camp thinks they can get with another 100-point season right now, wouldn't the you? Ath- the athletic piece does point out that it may not be a long-term deal. That's the biggest question mark for everybody is the term. Right. Is it Austin Matthews' length or is it an eight-year max? Right. Is he looking to get out and get another rich payday like three or four and, years down the road? And is he going to give himself that exit ramp? Right. You know, that's right. that's maybe All, the bigger consideration. And I, I hear you on exit ramp, but I think as we've seen with... Everything's an exit ramp. Uh, but. A, a star player of that ilk, if they want out, typically they're able to get themselves out. But of he, course, they're eminently more tradable with one or two years left on their deal versus with five. Five or six. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, 
little alarmism yesterday from Rick Dollywall with regards to John Shorthouse and his contract, but I saw our old friend Satyar Shah reporting that, yes, in fact, Shorty is under contract. He will be behind the play-by-play microphone for the Vancouver Canucks this year on the television side. We're anticipating the schedule and some of the broadcast rollout early next week. We have a very strong suspicion our friend Dave Tomlinson will be back doing color in some regard. Who knows? Maybe there's a Ray Ferraro uh, addition to what the Canucks are doing this year. We shall see next week. Uh, The other thing that's come up today is Alex Edler, Canucks all-time leading defenseman, right, in points, is without a contract, but apparently not retiring. Mm -hmm. I think he's looking at a PTO, Blake. Is there any part of you that would consider Alex Edler a think a ring of honor canuck right i i on bet, a PTO? i bet this about like a week ago or so like you know if it's if it's down the pto why i mean have like, him cost you nothing have him to camp why not and you know how the edler family felt about vancouver and i and i do believe they actually picked up and moved to los angeles but for a lot of years there alex edler and family didn't really want to consider playing elsewhere because of how much they adored yeah our community make no mistake about it if it worked out I, I mean, we're talking a million-dollar contract. Well, yeah, right? oh, yeah, yeah. You're yeah. talking about a contract that's entirely variable in the American Hockey League, if need be. And, of course, say it every time when we talk about these PTOs, you're not just auditioning for the club that has you within its ranks. Mm-hmm. You're auditioning for 31 other clubs or 20-some other clubs, depending on the positional need across the National Hockey League. Congratulations to Jeff C. from Vancouver. You're the winner of our BC Lions contest this week. Got a couple of tickets to tomorrow's game, 4 p.m. kickoff at BC Place against the Ottawa Red Blacks. You also have a food and bev voucher and a gift card at the team at the team store. More than 1,250 amateur football players and cheerleaders will be showcasing their talent pregame and at halftime, as the Lions, as the uh, Lions shout out and feature amateur football in British Columbia tomorrow, and of course they do such a great job with on the grassroots, and uh, appropriately so for one visiting player, I want to shout out Red Black starting right tackle Dante Bull. He was the first pick in the 2023 CFL draft out of Fresno State, where he played for former Lions head coach Jeff Tedford from Belmont Secondary in Langford, and he'll be playing his first professional game in his home province. And how about this from the note packages, uh, uh, the note package of Matt Baker? The BC Lions magic number is two, Blake. For if, playoffs. If they were to win tomorrow against Ottawa and Calgary lose in Montreal next week, they're already in somewhere. Yeah. Of course, they want to get up the pecking order as best possible. They to at least to host. Yeah. Winnipeg and host the West Division final, or at the very least, hold station at number two in the West and host the West semifinal for a second consecutive year. They got four of their final six here at home at BC Place. And as we've mentioned, tomorrow, 4 p.m. is the last afternoon kickoff of the year. The following three games will all be evening kickoffs. Two changes for the Lions. Jalen Edward Cooper back at corner for Mike Jones. And Josh Woods is stepping in for Bola Cumbo at outside linebacker. We talked about 
Abbotsford's Lacombo yesterday with Coach Campbell, where the news is better than they first anticipated. Yeah. They're thinking that Bo's going to get back on the field at some point this year. It did not look that way initially. Four for their final six at home. I mean, it's right there on a team. They're hosting you got a Saskatchewan team. at home. You got Winnipeg at home. I mean, I, yeah, it's completely within the realm of possibility they host the West Final, but I mean, minimum, they're hosting the West Semi. Minimum. One I mean, would hope. Yeah. One would hope. Junior Hoylett is not going to play for the Caps tomorrow in Vancouver. He is going to. In Toronto, yeah. Oh, sorry, in Toronto. The, he is going to meet them in effectively his hometown. He's a Brampton boy. Um, I was going to ask you, and I was thinking, hmm, coming off this bye, might we see the Caps' best 11 tomorrow? And yet, Canadian international Sam Atacube did not make the trip. He's got a knee issue. Yeah. So, in terms of the lineup tomorrow, like, Ten of the best eleven. <laughs> yeah, and, and given the form of Ryan Raposo of late, I mean, I don't, I don't know that you're suffering there. I mean, I think it's been not the uh, Atacubi's played bad. Raposo's played just so darn good that I, I don't think that uh, that Vanny's blinking at this at all. They've got so many games here squished in, um, busy schedule ahead. So I think they least they're leaving Atacubi at home. And then they're going to bring him out for the uh, next two games set. They're, they're going to play the next two together, remember. Uh, Houston and Real will be one trip. Mm-hmm. And so he'll it's come a Wednesday, on Saturday, yeah. or Wednesday, Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So uh, I got to say, what a fantastic story Ryan Raposo is. You may remember we were in San Diego with them at training camp mm-hmm. when he was a rookie. And he started creating some buzz. Yeah. And look, a high MLS super draft pick, although a lot of soccer people will sneer at the super draft. Vancouver's actually done pretty well over the years at super draft. Finding players who can fill roles for you. And Ryan Raposo's progression has been amazing. Yeah. Uh, And as a Canadian as well, like it it suits two bills for the Caps because, of course, they do have to carry and play X number of Canadians. And he's been patient too because there's been some spells of inactivity for him and yet he hasn't let it get to him and be frustrated by it and he's having a resurgence right now it's great head coach fanny sartini may be the best quote in vancouver and he delivered another one here yeah effectively saying that uh yes we could end up having the best season in club history but we also have time to fuck it up he said (laughs) (laughs) which is brutal honesty from him. He's absolutely correct. We talk about the possibility they could be second in the conference at the end of the weekend. And yet, you know, if they go on a skid here to finish off, the, hey, it's been great. Seven straight games on the road. They're 2-0-1 to start. Great. Seven of nine points, and we were talking before the show. I think you could take any three, game road, any three road games in the history of their MLS and not find seven points. But if you lose out, if you even lose three of the next four, let's say you got a draw and three losses, and you're, you're, you're back oh, yeah. fighting for your life again. Oh, absolutely. So they have to still take care of business here. Mm-hmm. If they get this one in Toronto. Whew, that's a lot of house money that yeah, they've it got is. sitting there. It is. At their end of the poker table. The Toronto Blue Jays get swept by the Texas Rangers. They only gave up nine, though. They're, they're, they're making improvements. They get destroyed again last night. And now you wonder, Blake, what does the future hold for manager John Schneider, former Vancouver Canadiens manager, general manager Ross Atkins. We saw the Red Sox make a move yesterday, firing their chief baseball officer, Heim Bloom. 
it's not a very likable team. It's not a very good team. folks are voting with their wallets right now. Some of their smallest crowds here in a September pennant chase, chase against a direct competitor in Texas. You're hearing boo birds at Rogers Center. The continued struggles with runners in scoring position. The continued bad at-bats swinging at just about everything. The continued lack of hustle up the first baseline and elsewhere. They are getting Matt Chapman back, which, you know, helps. So now you're at full health. But things are, the ground underneath the Blue Jays is kind of collapsing here. And 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 one and a half back of Seattle um, for the final wildcard. No accountability from John Schneider. He's just trying to play it cool. And on one level, I kind of respect that because he's got a lot of pressure. He's he's trying to keep everybody cool. Right. But he said, you know, we'll just move on to the next game. You got two weeks left in the season here. Like, the time to figure it out is now, John. Mm-hmm. They like, needed to split at the bare minimum, and uh, now they're back chasing. Oh, boy. I mean, they've got to win some series now, and some of these upcoming series. Look, Yankees and Red Sox, believe it or not, I'm not as worried about, but Tampa. Tampa's had Oof. their number over the years. So we'll see what happens here with the Blue Jays, and meanwhile, the beneficiaries are the Seattle Mariners and the Texas Rangers. Texas gets well in Toronto despite an injury to Max Scherzer, one of their ace pitchers. And, you know, it's all right there in front of you in Seattle uh, for Seattle. And here's the other thing. I just learned this yesterday. There is no play-in game in the case of a tie. Head-to-head record. Wow. For a hundred years, baseball has set aside a day after yeah. the regular season for a play in game. But they can only extend the schedule a lot. Well, they've already yeah. extended, of course, with three wild cards now and all of that. So your head to head record is going to matter in the event of a tie as we look forward over the next few weeks of the baseball season. And of course, speaking of baseball, baseball the big one tonight at Nat Bailey Stadium. Game three of the Northwest League Championship Series, your Vancouver Canadians against the Everett Aquasox. The series is tied 1-1. It's a best of five. Andy Dunn told us earlier in the week that Friday is sold out. They did have tickets remaining for Saturday, game four tomorrow, and we know that one's a go. We'll see what happens tonight. Possibility of a deciding game five, which would be a one o'clock start Sunday at the NAD. So best of luck to the Seas. Hope we fill the place tonight. Andy was talking about it earlier in the week. You get the baseball crowd out and the difference with the playoff series. People are locked in on the action more than they typically are during the regular season at Nat Bailey Stadium. And Tyler Zickel, Canadians play-by-play man par excellence, tells me Hunter Gregory is getting the start. He's 0-6, but he says don't let that record fool you. It's a 182 ERA over his last 24 innings pitched. The Seas have been a remarkable team when it comes to pitching this year. They had so many different guys win Northwest League honors. So we'll see if Hunter Gregory can get it done here in a very big game for them. Let's get to today's menu. It's brought to you by AG1. Get your nutritional supplement on the menu. The foundational nutrition that you want to start the day, continue your day, or end your day. Get it with AG1. Go to drinkag1.com slash Price to unlock a very special offer. A special welcome at here as we pay tribute to our host 
in Penticton, co-founder of Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing Workshop, Spirits and Foolish Winery. Mr. Mike Coghill will join us here in a second. And if you have not been to Penticton in the last three or four years, boy, has it grown up along the waterfront and right downtown here at the corner of Winnipeg and Westminster. When Neighborhood Brewing got in here, it's a two-level brew pub with some of the best food you'll ever have. And the restaurants that have since sprouted up in and around this downtown corner, it's just amazing. So great to have Mike on the show. Chris Faber of Canucks Conversation, Canucks Army, and of course someone who spends an awful lot of time on Vancouver Canucks. Prospects will join us. We'll talk to him about the lineup here. We'll talk to him about the pipeline at large. We'll talk to him about some of the guys who figure to play NHL games this year as well. On Tyler Myers Day, it is his bonus day, a $5 million bonus going to the big right shot defenseman, and we'll see if that now facilitates a trader if the Canucks just want to keep him because of a playoff push. Great conversation with Chris Faber coming up. Also a great conversation coming up with John Shannon. And, um, well, we asked John a number of questions, but we asked him to sort through some of the broadcast stuff with the Canucks, but also... The ongoing he said, she said between the Columbus Blue Jackets, head coach Mike Babcock, Captain Boone Jenner, and what was reported on Spitting Chicklets by Paul Biznasty Biznasty Bissonette. Uh, We asked John, you know, look, uh, Biznasty is on an NHL panel with TNT. The uh, follow-up tweet to his report was quite crude. How would he handle it? And if how he do you was coach that team going forward? Yeah. You know, like, how do you move on? Mm-hmm. Uh, no hashtags today. The best and worst of Twitter, they'll return on uh, Monday. But there is S versus P where we take on the topic that we discussed yesterday. Would missing the playoffs again mean the end of the Elias Patterson era in Vancouver? Let's get into it. I don't know if it was malicious. Probably not. But I do know it was another WTF moment. My question to ownership would be, was it worth it? And the architect, and I use that term loosely, given there wasn't much architecture, more finger painting with this team. It's like the running of the bulls in Pamplona. You know someone is going to get hurt. That's what you all need to understand here. Right now. Well, we turn and welcome Matt over today to our, our host... Our friend, our partner, collaborator, the co-founder of Yellow Dog Brewing Neighborhood Brewing Workshop, Spirits and Foolish Wine, Mr. Mike Coghill here with Sikarison Price. Welcome to a little old Penticton, gentlemen. Yes, <laughs> thank you for having us. Well, when I first started coming here, it was little old Penticton, but it continues to get newer and fresher, and a lot of it is this place here, Neighborhood Brewing, at the corner of Winnipeg and Westminster. Yeah, it's changing fast. We are, um, I don't know. We, we opened here just about three years, three years October, um, and there's been a lot of change in Penticton, and so it's pretty crazy, and maybe part of it's brought young stars back to Penticton, yeah. and, and hence you guys, so there yeah. you go. It's such a great spot. Like you, you can't help but drive in on this road. This is sort of the main feeder road in, and you just, yeah. neighborhood just rises like the mm-hmm. like the Disney mountain near the <laughs> Disney castle. You're you the know? Matterhorn. It is. It is what it feels like. It's just a, an unbelievable spot. And for people that, that don't know, amazing food, too, which is mm-hmm. uh, not to be... Uh, forgotten here alongside the amazing beer yeah it's uh, when the lights when it's getting evening and the lights are on it it does stick out definitely for sure mm-hmm. and, and in a good way yeah yeah exactly I'll, I'll say this uh what i love about neighborhood here is that it lives up to its name 
I, I popped in here yesterday just on my way through town, and I saw two ladies having dinner. Saw a whole bunch of guys watching the NFL game. I saw Grandpa out with the grandkids. You open, and you have a big lunch crowd here on the, uh, on the patio. It's like come one, come all. It's really been something the neighborhood has embraced, no pun intended. Yeah, it's, we, it's a place for the whole community to come and hang out, and uh, we have food that's approachable for everyone. We have drinks for everyone, and it's just, you know, we always pride ourselves, and that's why I was named Neighborhood, as being part of the community. And uh, the community has embraced us, and... Maybe a little bit they heard you two are coming today. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Yeah, We draw a crowd. What does Young Stars mean to you? Young Stars just means to me, it's, it's, it means growth for the city in the sense that we can host people from all over these areas that they come from to watch this and they get to experience this town and, like you said, the beauty aspect of it and just how it's changing rapidly and, and, and embrace that. And it's also just an event-based thing that's cool for the locals to yeah. go experience and, and, and get to see and, and youth in this town to see here's what NHL feels like in a smaller portion and, mm-hmm. and find kids and players, I guess they're not kids, but, you know, athletes that are in those prospects to get behind before they get to the big club. And that's the thing is when they get to the big club and they saw them here, that's the story they tell their friends and grandparents and all that sort of stuff. This town punches above its weight class, doesn't it, for events. Like, it, it seems to like an event. Yeah, we're, we're good partners with the SEC where it's being held. They, they do a great job of supporting us, but they do a great job of putting on events, pulling in larger ones than the town really should have, and... Uh, it's a, it's a great spot to host mm-hmm. something. And what I love about it, too, is it sort of extends tourist season here, which is yeah. more and more needed some years, depending on the conditions, right? Yeah, we've had a great summer overall. We had a little, you know, hiccup towards the back end of it there, but uh, it does. More things we can happen in the off-season months than better, but that's what people don't realize. This is really a four-season town, like... Mm-hmm. When, when it's not summer, well, there's mountain biking, which people come through. When the winter, you know, Apex Mountain is not very far away. Like, you can you can come for whatever whatever kind of thing you fancy. And then wineries are open, breweries are open, all that type of stuff. Yeah, and, and before we move on to some of your properties, Mike, uh, shout out and a big thank you to Jonathan Wall, the former Vancouver Canucks yeah. executive who is now based here in Penticton mm-hmm. and is a massive reason why this tournament has come back and been so successful over yeah, the years. he's a big advocate for it in town here, and he, he showed up here last night, and him and I had a drink and talked about it. He's, he's pretty proud to show off the town yeah. for this type of event. So we've pumped up a neighborhood for a number of years here, being home in, in Penticton, and now when we pull up, there's a familiar logo mm. just over yonder, that, that yellow dog thing. Yes. Um, tell <laughs> us uh, what the plans are there, the progression there, because that brand has now arrived in Penticton too. Yeah, in, 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 at Yellow Dog in Port Moody, we ran into some issues in space-wise that were causing us to you know, limit the amount of beers we could do. And so the opportunity came up to get a property here from our friends Bad Tattoo. They wanted to not be in the industry anymore. They just wanted to move on to bigger and better things for themselves or new things, maybe not bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they, they approached us and we're like, okay, yeah, sure. And so we focused initially on getting the brewing side up and running and being to what our standards are and how we do our processes. And, and that's like happening that. and already? That's happening, yeah. yeah. They, the, the team has knocked it out of the park uh, this summer, brewing new beers and stuff like that. Oh. We've had some cool new things and you'll see a bunch of new ones, more like loggers and things like that that Yellow Dog's never been able to do because we just didn't have the time or ah, the space to do it. Yeah. Uh, and then we focused on the patio because it was summer summer season there. So we have our food truck, Hungry Monster, throwing out some good smash burgers and then some beers over there. 
There is a covered space on the rare occasion that it rains. Yeah. Here oh, yeah. It's covered. In the Okanagan. It's more for shade in the Okanagan. <laughs> not, for, not for rain. My yeah. coast is showing. Yeah, so we call yeah. the patio the dog park. So it's a great place to hang out and, and do all that sort of stuff. And life. they can bring their dogs. They can bring their dogs. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, it was my first time at the Oliver Wine Village earlier this summer where you've got a. Workshops standing. You got Foolish Winery going on there as well. Yeah, most of the workshops made here at Neighborhood, uh, but we did open a standalone distillery out there. We're actually slowly making actual spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so vodka, gin. Uh, we have a cinnamon liqueur right now. Allowed us to expand a little bit. Like we launched High There Hard Iced Tea from workshop this year. We got ombre margarita. So we're allowed. To, we're focusing a little bit more of our production for workshop based on some of the stuff we're doing out there. But it's also uh, the talent we have out there, Kevin, who's out there this year, Brad, who's out there, they can they make mix up some just crazy cocktails that you can go in there and, and try out. And I remember, you know, Grady was there last year and had a couple of them. Uh, did he? Oh, okay. Yeah. Did he behave himself? He did. Yeah, he did behave himself. Oh, rare. Okay. okay. Uh, I guess some people that was debatable, but, you know, he was, uh, <laughs> uh, And then we got the winery. And the winery is, uh, you know, we live in wine country. We're always passionate about wine and and. It's a it's a little small passion project. It's not a huge thing by any means, but it's uh, it's fun. Where does the name come from, Foolish Winery? Um, it came from well, we have neighborhood, and we had Yellow Dog, and I'm busy with that. So then we told my mother what we were going to do, and she told me I'm foolish. Yes, and then I'm like, oh, that's actually that's good, a good, that's name. good name. Yeah, that's a good we're name. you know we want to make wines that are fun and approachable and not mm-hmm. overly pretentious and, and and but still really good quality and that's what it is and that's brett and kyle are doing that down there so it's amazing well shout out to mrs coghill um the other mrs coghill your better half melinda yes absolutely needs us to message this because the one thing that we all have in common is we're all dog lovers animal lovers yeah. and you guys have put your money where your mouth is on yeah that i th- think you were here last year when we yeah the same time every year so we were just tail ending of this con uh contest and uh in the end, last year, she, we, we do this contest with the SPCA to put your picture of your pet on, 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 a, on a beer can. So top three fundraisers and then one who's voted on um, by the public. Uh, a cat was leading it uh, till late last year, but never won. So a it was cat all, it, was leading yeah, it. Oh, so yeah. it's all pets. We're, we're not yeah. discriminating. Yeah. They're all pets. And uh, she, in the end, she was able to raise, uh, just, could be wrong, but right around $190,000. So it's, it may be a little bit more, but it was, you know that's what it is. So it was a huge success for the SBCA. They really, they were really happy. We went to their gala last year, and they were thrilled. They made a big, big difference, especially for a new wing uh, that they were opening to save animals in Richmond. Where can people participate? Yeah, so it's, if you go to the SBCA's webpage, there's a link to it there. If you go to our social media, there's a there's a webpage there, and. We're, we're still 10 days left to go, uh, and she's already at just under $150,000. So wow. this looks like it's going to very largely eclipse last year. And, you know, that's $500,000 in two years for the BCSBCA. And, awesome. and on top of what she does out, like, well, this isn't the only fundraiser. Yeah. A little every can of Yellow Dog that you buy, part of proceeds go to the SBCA. Every can of Foolish or every bottle of Foolish wine you make, part of those proceeds go to the SBCA. Every little work to so. We, we help them out where we can. Uh, we even brewed a beer at Yellow Dog for all of Penticton, like all the breweries in Penticton got to, together. We do that every year as a group, and this year that's going to the Okanagan BCSB. So, you know, that's her passion is to help where she can, both in community and animals, but the SPCA has been our main partner for that, and, that's, and she's raised a lot If of money you remember the photo shoot we did in our studio, we had uh, some of the foster puppies that we were taking care of at the time. I've let you down, though. We just adopted out one. It was a black lab. It wasn't a yellow dog. Hey, I apologize. Doesn't doesn't matter. There's and right now, there's from what we hear, there's a lot of 
adoptable dogs and cats at yes, the SPCA that need help. Sure. So get out there and, and uh, help them out where you can. Well, you're an amazing host, a great friend and collaborator. Uh, he had the Canuck staff in here last night watching Thursday Night Football. And uh, I just... It's the place to be. Mike, honestly, in the 13, 14 years I've been coming to Penticton, uh, this spot right here at the corner of Winnipeg and Westminster and what's grown up around it has just been amazing for the city. And if you can't get up here, folks, crack a can of neighborhood. It'll be just like you are. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you guys coming and always uh, supporting us. That's Welcome at for today. And we invite your feedback. Feedback channels live at sakarisonprice.com. You can text 778-402-9680. The Great Clips text message inbox on Twitter at Matt Sakaris, at Sakarison Price. And the Welcome Matter presentation of Great Clips. All 37 salons in Vancouver and the Lower Mainland proudly Canadian-owned and operated. No matter what you're buying, folks, when you're out in the world looking for this, that, and the other, I think you want to support businesses that you feel good about supporting. You can feel good about supporting the Applewood Auto Group. Uh, They've made the car business and communities around them a whole lot better with their work in the community. Go and find out why it is indeed all good at Applewood. Visit them online anytime at applewood.ca. Happy Hour brought to you by Yellow Dog Brewing, Neighborhood Brewing, Workshop Spirits, and Yellow Dog has been brewing up a little surprise. Angry Otter Lager. It's a crisp, clean, and crushable lager enjoyed by dogs and otters alike. You can find this tasty brew at all Angry Otter locations. End of the workday. Treat yourself to a Yellow Dog neighborhood for a workshop spirit. Harrison Price from Neighborhood Brewing in downtown Penticton and the next Young Stars Tournament and the show, of course, as always, presentation Applewood Auto Group. Applewood Mitsubishi. Applewood Nissan is down at the Richmond Auto Mall as well, so you can uh, two birds with one stone and check out the 25th anniversary specials that are across the Applewood Auto Group right now. That includes taking a test drive for a chance to win $25,000. Why wouldn't you do that? Mm. And if you do pull the trigger, make the purchase. Uh, no charge maintenance package for uh, almost worth $2,500 mm. with every purchase. So go check it out. Bodog poll question is the Canucks prospect pipeline back to where it needs to be. I think we have the right guest to answer that mm-hmm. here in a moment, Blake. Uh, vote yes or no at Harrison Price on Twitter. Bodog, your source, free casino games, poker strategy, and sports odds. I am taking the caps to win in Toronto. Richie Larea, the Canadian international in the lineup against his old coach, John Herdman, yeah. Vancouver resident, making his coaching debut for TFC. And as he mentioned the other day, caps are pretty good value here, plus 140 to win against the worst team in MLS East in Toronto. On your Bodog line of the day. Well, this is quite special because we've been doing the show almost twelve years, Blake, mm-hmm. and for a good part of that show, a uh, good part of those years, our next guest was effectively like a third co-host. That's how often he contributed as Faber in Nanaimo, and we were just so pleased to see his media career flourish from Canucks Conversation, Canucks Army, the one and only Mister Chris Faber. Tableside. How are you doing, dude? I'm doing great. It's it's really coming full circle. I, I actually spoke to a BCIT class last <laughs> night as I'm like coming on Scaris and Price. Like things are really uh, cranking up over the past like 12 hours or so. You've That's got a amazing. special place in my heart because uh, I did your show when you were, um, I don't know what platform it was on, just, just a, a podcast, I guess, uh, back in the day. This would have been 
I guess six, seven years ago, maybe. And I did it from the beach in Waikiki. Oh, <laughs> we were there to cover the Whitecaps. All right. I was like, yeah, I can do it. Time zone, all that. And, uh, yeah, stepped out of the fabulous climbs of, of Hawaii <laughs> to do my hit on, on Faber's show. Yeah, it was that episode was called Chicago and Hawaii because Jeff was in Chicago at the time. Oh, actually, no, and, wow. uh, and I said, I think you had the better uh, yes. travel. Oh, Chicago's pretty good town, too. Yeah. Yeah. So answer me this. What did you do back in the day that allowed you to contribute to our show like <laughs> you did, Chris? Because it seemed like you did miss a minute. You were in Tell Me I'm Wrong. You were in Hot Take virtually every day. Yeah, I was down at the Ladysmith Sawmill, uh, worked there for about five years or so. And the whole time, I, I think I screwed up my hearing in my left ear because I always had a headphone in my left ear and the hearing protection in the right ear. Right. So safety <laughs> uh, violation, I guess, there. But I was always listening uh, basically from 6 a.m. all the way until Rob Faye finished at midnight. Wow. So I actually had to change up my name for his show because I was always working in the compactor. So I'd say I remember from the compactor for the old right. uh, late night show. There. And um, was this always the dream? Make it in sports media and make that a career? Yeah, I think um, sports media wasn't exactly it. It was always sports. Uh, it's something I grew up. I loved playing football, baseball, hockey, everything that I played growing up and uh, just didn't quite have the athletic ability. I had the size, but I blew the size here with a horrible athletic ability. Uh, and then from there, you know, good paying job at the mill, nice little career. But to me, I wanted a different career. I wanted a career in sports. I wanted to have something that I was passionate about. Uh, and that's where we got us wow. to this point. I think things worked out well with, you know, I know the pandemic was horrible, but for me, the timing was incredible. It made, you know, the ability to be on Zoom calls, the ability to create podcasts, more people tuning into podcasts. It was kind of just a perfect storm uh, to kind of seize the opportunity and just great timing for myself. Well, your passion was evident from the first time uh, you contributed, Chris. It was clear that you were going to make it in this business. Mm -hmm. The desire was... Appreciate that. And you, and you carved out a niche as uh, as one of the guys that is able to comb the internet, be a, a scout from afar and a scout up close when you get the opportunity. But you've perfected the digital scouting uh, part of things, and that's another thing that has improved uh, with technology over the last uh, handful of years. So this is a uh, a bit of a Super Bowl for you of sorts uh, with this uh, Young Prospects yeah. uh, tournament here in Penticton. Yeah, it really is. I mean, this and development camp, uh, being able to go to the last two NHL drafts, just a ton of great opportunities to be able to see a lot of things in person because you're right, we can do a ton online now, mm -hmm. but just seeing how players skate, what the coach is looking like with them on the bench, these certain type of things, those are the stuff that you have to be in the arena to see. So it's been nice that Canucks Army has given me an opportunity to do these type of things and, you know, we got a great opportunity coming up tonight, 7.30, Canucks and Flames. This is, yeah. this is probably the biggest matchup of this tournament i would say the best prospects i think in this tournament will be in really? this game tonight not not some of the winnipeg crew and their first rounders i mean there's some real high-end talent there but i think coronado and and watching some of these guys from from calgary obviously uh Hanzik, the the calgary or sorry the vancouver giants player a uh, lot of really exciting prospects tonight and obviously for us following the canucks a little bit closer i'm excited to see all these guys i saw the news on Hanzik. uh going to center with, yeah. the, with the Giants, which is interesting. <laughs> that could up his stock going forward. I would think so. I mean, he's he's going to put a hurting on a lot of those WHL defensemen. Like, we'll see tonight. He is a big body, yeah. very physical. Really liked him at that spot for them in the most recent draft here. Yeah, and he got uh, – he was quite a uh, helium guy. It seemed like as the closer the draft got, the higher and higher you heard his stock was going. Let me ask you the Bodog poll question. Is the Canucks prospect pipeline back to where it needs to be? It's on the right path. I wouldn't say it's there just yet. Yep. I think it, it's pretty interesting to look at this specific roster here. We're, we're not seeing NCAA guys. We're not seeing European guys. But I look at this roster for the Vancouver Canucks at Youngsters, and I say, wow, there's 
there's some defensemen here who could play some NHL games. And I'll be honest, I was here last year. I don't know if I was saying the same thing about the mm-hmm. defensemen. And I think they've turned the corner and made some good picks. They've made some picks that I don't agree with as much, but they are at least adding prospects in certain ways, whether it be NCAA guys like we can see Akito Hirose and Cole McWard tonight. We get to see those guys get an opportunity. So they've taken kind of all avenues of adding prospects. They just still need more high-end guys. For a team that's been losing this much over the past five years, you should have some very exciting prospects coming. And they've got a couple to be pretty excited about, but I wouldn't say, like, it's not really a guy in the prospect pipeline right now where you're like, he's coming, he's playing top six, or he's playing top four. I know it for sure. They mm. just don't have that. So, yeah, they're lacking a little bit. Yeah, I mean, you'd like to see the high-end centerman that's not there yet, and mm-hmm. then maybe a little more depth of quality uh, at the top. But, Blake, Jeff, and I were all a little surprised at the quality of player they're bringing to this tournament, Chris. Like, four guys who played in the National Hockey Veteran League. Veteran prospects. Yeah, <laughs> last year. What, what was your take on sort of the robust line they drew that basically, if you're not an NHL regular, you're playing at Young Stars? Yeah, it's starting to become the Youngish Stars tournament a little <laughs> bit here, and, and Vancouver's taking advantage of that. I mean, they got a couple 25-year-olds, I think, on this roster here. So you're, you're going to see some guys who have some experience, or at least have played like a full NCAA career five years from these guys right so uh yeah it's it's not the most exciting like 2023 draft class and the way that vancouver's drafted you're you're gonna get a lot of those guys playing in the shl and heck lecare mackie scored his first shl game the other day so that's good news but um yeah i think that the defenseman that they've added it's kind of like i said like different avenues to kind of bolster your prospect pool where yeah you might not have for sure hits here but it's something i've heard you guys talk about this for years like get as many darts as you can to throw here it doesn't Mm -hmm. have to just be the draft you would love to have as many picks as possible. Then you're really getting to choose. But if you can get these players some interest in potentially Abbotsford and developing there, like there's no problem adding a 22-year-old guy who's played a good NCAA career or a guy who's mm-hmm. overaged out of the CHL and maybe a little bit of a late developer. Kind of like Archie Baines is a good example. And Josh Bloom, they added him in the trade for Riley Stillman. Like that's a, a great little add to the prospect pool as well. I was- I was going to ask you about Arshdeep because, I mean, the pride of Surrey, what a terrific junior career. He's the guy that you can get behind, the underdog, the late bloomer and all that. Really nice year by the looks of it in Abbotsford. What would be your expectation for him this season? Yeah, I think he, he's got to just keep building. He's basically a step away from being an NHLer, honestly. Like he's, And I'm talking about foot speed. I'm talking about pace. And this is a very good opportunity to see that. If he sticks out at this Young Stars tournament, I think he'll play NHL games. Like, I do think he'll play NHL games, maybe not this season, potentially the season after that. But he plays a role where you like him as a penalty killer. You like him as a bottom six guy. He's had a little bit of time on the power play, but he's smart, right? He's so smart. I remember talking to Brent Sutter, his coach at Red Deer, about this, and he just said this was a kid who came in and, like, didn't have the best physical traits. He came in at 16. They sent him back to uh, whatever it was, minor hockey. And then he just kept working. He kept showing up at practices and showing, like, I'm going to play. I'm going to play. And then eventually became the leader in points in the WHL. This is a kid who's really progressed over the last three years or so, and you saw a lot of that in Abbotsford last year. And when you talk about penalty killing and the other things, that is absolutely the ticket, and that's difficult for kids who – his case led the WHL in scoring. The uh, This seems a little bit harsh, but, you know, eventually a prospect has to prove himself. Um, is, is there anybody here in this group that you think is in their last year as a quote-unquote prospect? And, and and it seems harsh even for somebody like a Cole McCord, but when you are older, you don't, you know, they're not going to keep you for the customary three to four years because then you'll just be too old. Right. So, yeah. so is there anybody here that... And it's not necessarily at this tournament, of course, but this year at the very least, do you think is somebody that's sort of facing that moment where they need to put up or shut up? 
I mean, Jack Rathbone's not really a prospect anymore, right? I no, mean, at 23, 24 years old, I think he's a prime he, example. Could be an HL veteran at this point. Chris, exactly. yeah. we were saying this on the show this week. He's almost like the forgotten guy with the Canucks yeah. these days. And, like, go back a year, go back two years. I think there was a lot of people excited oh, yeah, about Jack sure. Rathbone. Yeah. What yeah. happened there? I mean, the injury, like, this This is a kid who back-to-back seasons had to be taken off the ice on a stretcher. Like, two different seasons. These are very difficult situations that yeah. he's gone through. Um, a lot of just depth in Vancouver. When you have a Quinn Hughes up on your team and you have that type of defenseman, then you have kind of a lower version of him and Jack Rathbone. It's hard to fit two of those guys into an NHL lineup. I think with the coaching moves that the Vancouver Canucks have made over the past couple of years, it's tough for him to kind of, get on a coach's good side as well, especially when there are some things defensively when you make big mistakes and they end up in the back of your own net. Like he's done a few of those. And it was, it was difficult because he jumped into the AHL was on the all rookie team for a defenseman that year. But then this past season, you see Christian Milanen come in and be named AHL defenseman of the year. He plays a very similar style to Jack Rathbone. He's an offensive puck mover, but a little bit more trustworthy defensively. And Wolanin's an interesting one because he had a shoulder injury. He was a, a black ace in the COVID years. So he's not really gotten that opportunity in the NHL yet. So you kind of have two guys here that are, I think are battling for that third, that kind of third yeah. pairing role on the left side. And they're both similar players. It's like, do you want the 23-year-old who just hasn't had the opportunity yet or, or the 27-year-old who probably has had some more pro experience, but he hasn't really gotten that opportunity yet either. So who's, neither, your money he, on? who's, your, who's your money on? Between the two of them. I would go with Willannon, uh for next season. For, I, yeah, I think, for this coming season. Yeah, and yeah. you know what? I think Rathbone is at the point where he would he would get an opportunity on a NHL team. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if it's Vancouver with the defenseman that they have, mm-hmm. specifically depth, seven, eight, nine left shot defenseman. Guys. Is Hiroshi not in that mix for you? I have him around the mix. Okay. But I, I like I'll be honest, I think Willannon's head and shoulders above everyone else for that third pairing role i think that the next crop would be you know guillaume brisebois jack rathbone and then akito Hirose. and i think those three will battle it out to kind of be the seven eight nine guys or potentially mm-hmm. the top pairing in abbotsford but I, i've seen christian willanen play enough in the ahl to think okay he should be in the nhl he can skate he can move the puck defensively he's reliable not excellent but at least reliable and that's the big difference i think between the other three some bold hot takes here for mr chris faber <laughs> and i also have learned by talking to all of you guys this week I'm drunker on Hiroshi than most. Yes, yes, you are. Uh, back to the original. Anybody here, young stars, that, that you think has got to put up this season? Like, Aiden McDonough will be an interesting Aiden one, right? is sort of yeah. who pops mm-hmm. up for me. Yeah. yeah, and I think him and, and Atiratu, um, who's only 20, yeah. but at the same time has been given so many opportunities, you wonder, if, wow, these two opportunities. The, the crazy thing about Ratu is, man, he, he comes over here from Finland. He plays on four different teams for four different coaches. He's with the Islanders in the AHL, the NHL. He's with the Canucks in the AHL, the NHL. That's a tough time, man. And, you know, he was, yeah. like, down there living in New York and then had to move to an Ab- like Abbotsford Hotel for the last little bit. So I think it was a very difficult year for him. Uh, this year I'm just kind of expecting him to develop in Abbotsford as, like, a top center and and kind of just get get up with the pace of the play. That's something I saw last year in Abbotsford was – the puck was moving and he wasn't there. Like he wasn't in the right spot at the times. And I know a lot of people will talk about the foot speed or, you know, pace is his problem. I I don't think it's his actual physical pace. I think it's where he is on the ice when the puck is moving his direction. He's just not quite getting to that spot yet or, or something like that. So I just need to see him kind of line his play up a little bit more with the pace of the AHL. And for him to actually get a shot at the NHL, you have to be above the pace in the AHL. That's what I see with these guys. And well, Landon's a great example. His pace was, 
at a level that was too good for the AHL. He's moving, and that's his special that trait. What's Aturatu's special trait? Because, and I grant that I've seen probably a grand total of ten games of Aturatu, mm-hmm. maybe maybe fifteen if you count World Juniors. Um, what's his special trait? I don't know that I can identify it. I hate to say it because it's a very good thing for a winger to have, and Aturatu needs to stay as a center. But he is an incredible forechecker. He is very strong in the forecheck. Does a good job utilizing his body as well as his stick to kind of close in on a guy. And it's very effective. It is an aggressive forecheck, but it's like, that's what wingers do, man. Like, you got to yeah. be a center and, and kind of play the ice. I think he's a player that has a sneaky good shot. He's a playmaker to a certain degree. But the big thing for me is that forecheck and his release is, is pretty good. It's September 15th, the date that we've all had red circled for some time because Tyler Myers becomes a very rich man today or a richer man <laughs> today with this $5 million bonus. What's your forecast there? What do you think? Are they going to keep him here, or do you think suddenly now the trade lines, the trade phones get going? I don't think there's enough confidence in a Jet Wu or Philip Johansson to trade him. Uh, with a team that has playoff aspirations, I would not be moving Tyler Myers. Playoff aspirations could change around the trade deadline. That's something that I think we might see when Myers gets dealt at that point. At that point, his cap mm-hmm. hit is nothing. Any team will be able to take him. There's still a pretty good cap hit at the start of the season here if you are to take on Tyler Myers. And I don't think the Canucks are in a position right now to say, oh, we'll hold on to half of that and we'll trade you him at the start of the season. Because I just don't think there's another move to be made for them right now. Yeah. And and as we've talked about, Chris, it's such an awkward time to trade a guy, especially a guy of that salary. I mean, yeah. John Shannon told us two weeks ago, he's talked to 11 teams that said, we're totally set. We've got roster mm-hmm. battles that we've got to work out in camp, but we're not looking to add anybody. So. Right. Add that plus his no trade protection, right? Like he doesn't have a ten team list. Yeah, you're 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 dealing with a slimmer field, I think, than most people would realize. And I, I think what'll be interesting here will be Ethan Bear and the six, like whatever plays out with him. If he is healthy and he comes back, and you're thinking, oh, like we're at the deadline here in a team, we're close to a playoff spot, but we've added Ethan Bear now to be our third pairing guy. Maybe then they can deal Myers, right? Like maybe a team would be looking to actually pay to add Tyler Myers. I just don't think you need to think at all about attaching anything to move on no, from that contract. No, no, the no, money's no. just not needed. No. It's, we've seen that in Vancouver before where they've thrown away the money on one-year deals and just hurt themselves in the long run. I would not do anything no. like that. I think trade Myers if there's value. Otherwise, let him play. Uh, he has utility. It. A lot of right. those other exactly. things you're talking about. Exactly. Not have utility, you, you've so gotten right. to the point right. where he could well be viewed as an asset again at the trade deadline, so don't go ahead and preemptively uh, spend something to get rid of him here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, last question for you. It's a tough one. That probably means it's not. <laughs> yeah. Has Canucks Army editor-in-chief and notorious goalie guy, David Quadrelli, ordered the 2,000-word feature on Nikita Tolapilo coming out of this weekend, Chris? Nothing yet from him. I know he was very let down that Archer Seelots was not here. but I, I'm, I uh, felt his tears yeah, from no. Coquitlam. I, I love a good six foot five, six foot six goaltender. I, I like uh, a Kukos. That's like two quadrellis. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's when he puts a trench two coat. Two quadrellis in a trench coat. That's <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I think Tolapilo is going to impress a lot of people this weekend. Uh, if you remember last year at Young Stars, Archer Seelots burst onto the scene with a shutout in his first game for head coach Jeremy Carlton, who's coaching again this year. Obviously, he gets him in the AHL, and Seelaws became the starter. Be interested to see what happens with Tolapilo. I, I think it's good that Jeremy Carlton is the coach down here because he's going to get a good view of a lot of these guys trying to find a spot on the AHL roster. Tolapilo, he's got a, a tough act to follow after what Seelaws did last year, but this is a guy who, man, far and above, way better than any goaltender in the Osvenskin League, and, and that's a tough league to have good numbers in. He had a very impressive numbers with shutouts, save percentage, like everything that you could want from a goaltender. He has. He's six foot six, what twenty three years old, I think, as well. So not too old yet. Um, 
there'll probably be a 2,000 word piece written. I think by the end of this, <laughs> you just I, I like yourself them. into it. I like them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, people, well, we should, people should know too, by the way, that Chris Haber has done this entire interview wearing his bike helmets. Well, he's CSA approved. Absolutely. He's a former safety guy at the Mail and Lady Smith. He's been riding the electric scooters that are part of the <laughs> municipal plan here in Penticton. They're and, ubiquitous uh, across the Okanagan He's now. being very safe, and, and we're impressed by that. Well, it, it's uh, you know what? I, I saw, like, you sign these things, and you're always like, I agreed all the, the, the <laughs> I accept and request yeah. or whatever, all these uh, terms and requirements. And then, then it was like, wear a helmet around the bottom. And I, I've seen people go around with no helmet, but I'm not risking it. And uh, I know my fiance told me, if you're Get on those scooters. You got to wear the helmet. Oh, you better. I know. Imagine better. if you missed the game tonight yeah. because yeah. you had a scooter accident. Oh, yeah. you know? like, you One know. more hit on this brain, and I don't know if I'd be able to speak again. So we'll see. He's buckled up and he's <laughs> ready to go for next season. Uh, the first of many, Chris Faber. Fantastic, my friend. Great Excellent, guys. Thanks, Thanks for having me. Stop by. Joined now by the former executive producer of Hockey Night in Canada, the co-host of the Bob McCowan podcast. He is in beautiful Radium, British Columbia, Blake, near 281 kilometers from Penticton, and yet he is not coming to CSA Young Stars. How dare you, John Shannon? Not good planning, Maddie. That's all it is. It's just not good planning. I, you know, this uh, this my golf uh, trip was uh, a year in the planning, and. Uh, for some reason, you know, I, I'm one of those guys. One, if, if I come to the Columbia Valley, I'm not sure I want to go over the Rogers <laughs> the <other> Pass. Ridge, yeah. <laughs> I think our listeners, though, are trip. beginning to pick up that John Shannon leads uh, leads a very difficult life. Yeah, um, absolutely. From the amount of times that we've seen you on the golf course uh, doing these hits, and we appreciate you making time. Um, Blake, he goes drinking with Gibby and Lloyd Minster. Yeah. He goes to the BC Hockey Hall of Fame and Penticton Gala. You're not drumming up a lot of sympathy here, John. Somebody has to do these arduous tasks. I want to ask you, well, we'll be in Penticton and, of course, the Young Stars, uh, well, today, um, checking out everything from the uh, Canucks, yep. Oilers, Jets, and John, we were remarking that in the early years of this tournament, the Edmonton Oilers were really the drawing card because, of course, they had all those number one overall draft picks. I can remember the late, great Pat Quinn sitting down holding court as coach of the Oilers, as you may remember, at the first Young Stars tournament. Now, when you look at it, yeah, Edmonton is sending some prospects, but and of course, Winnipeg always has good prospects, but now it's a whole lot more about the home province team. And I think that well, should it, help. Yeah, and, and, and well, it's funny because, you know, there'll be a lot of people from Alberta, both Flames and Oilers fans, that will make the trip, uh, probably left last night uh, to arrive for, for the, the Friday games. Um, and, and yes, uh, it'll still be, but it'll still be driven by Oilers fans because there are a ton of Oilers fans in the Okanagan too. That's not to say that there aren't Canuck fans. Um, but, you know, what we're seeing now is um, all four teams, because some teams took it ser- more serious than others um, at, at one point. But all four teams now know the importance of the draft, know the importance of, of building through their prospects. And I think we're going to see a really competitive tournament. I think we're going to see some fun fun things. I Listen, the names of people 
that when we've all been there that have made an impact not just there but in the NHL I, you know that was the first time I met Bo Horvat out of a London night sweater Con- when Connor played the first game for the Oilers there Johnny Goodrow spent the whole week Nick Ehlers was there this is a really really fun weekend mm-hmm. if you're a hockey nerd you know and it's no different for what's happening in Traverse City Michigan uh, where the Red Wings host a tournament uh, with the Rangers, uh, with Dallas, and with the Maple Leafs. Buffalo's got a tournament that the Senators are part of. This has really become, in many ways, uh, the inaugural four or five days to the start of training camp. Start with your prospects and then get on with the big time team next yeah. week. How much do you want to see out of them? Do you expect a big time? Pro- you know, you're talking about guys that actually did. Like I remember when Connor McDavid got onto fifth gear the crowd oohed at the South Okanagan Event Center. Even Nick Ehlers turned on the Jets, same sort of yeah. thing. You you understood. But it, it can be hard. They're thrown together. Do you, do you think organizations look at this and evaluate the performances in a, in a setting like this? It's a tool. I'm just saying, how big a tool? Well, I, I think it's a much more important tool, bigger tool for teams, uh, probably um, with, with players in the second, third, and fourth rounds, the prospects – that they aren't predicting to be, you know, bona fide stars. You know, I mean, let's Blake Connor played one game. Yeah, got that vicious body check. I think it was uh, Vertan. It was Vertan and Jake Vertan, and that's right. And didn't play another game. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't any point in having him go through that. You know, the, you know, for instance, there are uh, there are teams that have decided not to send players uh, to uh, to prospects. I know that the Devils. Are not sending um, Luke uh, to the uh, to the the series in Buffalo, uh, Luke Hughes, uh, just because what's the point? But I do think that it's those for those second round, third round, fourth round picks that still have to prove themselves not to the scouts but to to management guys and how you exist within that different dressing room. I, I think it's still very important. Mm. Uh, just before we leave the Young Stars tournament, although not necessarily about their younger stars, more about their older stars, uh, we heard Noah Hannafin say in Calgary this week what he's open to signing a long-term deal. As we talked about often over the course of the summer, John, waiting for shoes to drop in Winnipeg, Calgary with some of the bigger names who have been rumored in trades and would would they sign long-term extensions? And we'll get on to Elias and his long-term extension here in a moment. But have you picked up anything recently? On the Flames and Jets, as they no, I, the other, camp? I think the other message uh, yesterday in Calgary was the Elias Lindholm stuff. That's saying we're going to play the year out. We're just going to take our time and play the year out. Um, you, you know, these guys are still under contract for the year. Uh, I, I think this is uh, this is a wait and see scenario. Is life better after Daryl? How much better is it after Daryl? Um, how much? How, how much can Craig Conroy, who is a persuasive, effusive guy, how much can he uh, put his imprint on some of these guys that they want to keep long term? So I, the good news is, like Hannafin, I'm, I'm not sure about Lindholm, but they are keeping an open mind. As far as Winnipeg goes, you know, I, I'm, I'm still not convinced that. One of these, one of these key guys will even start the season. I'm not sure which. I think Hellebuck's there for the start of the season. I'm still not sure, um, you know, about Mark Shifley. Yeah. Um, 
And, and, and that's, I think that's the question. And I, I do think that we still haven't seen um, a lot of discussion this week about salary cap issues for teams that are over. And I still think we're going to hear and see those. And I think that's going to be a factor. Is Calgary a bigger um, year than Vancouver even to make the playoffs and the permutations of missing the playoffs if it, if it doesn't happen and trying to keep players in the fold? I mean, it's Elias Pettersson here, but it's it's more guys there. Do you think they face pressure more more so than even Vancouver? No. I, I, but I, but I, I think that they're on such different trajectories, Blake. I think the Canucks are a team that's on the rise. And I think uh, what John Bean and Craig Conroy are trying to do in Calgary is try to stop the decline. Right. And, and I, I, so I, I think there's a crossroads there. And, and you, you know, I think in the end we're going to see a lot of fight between those two teams, maybe even for that number three position in the Pacific. Uh, and if the Canucks can keep their defense together and, you know, broken record, that's your Dimco without an A on his mask, boys, without an A on his mask. Okay. <laughs> yeah, duly noted. We'll put okay. you down for Come a no. All Come right. on. All right. Well, let's have that, that out. A, you, you, that you, what's that your objection? A, that was a July 27th topic that you had to fill. You know, that's what that was filler, you guys. Come on. We all know that goaltenders can't wear letters. It was September 12th, Mr. Shannon. I'll oh, have you know. He says it deserved to be in July, is his point. July 27th. That's right, Blake. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's it. But I, I, I think that, you know, that if Demko can do his job, the defense that they've rebuilt there can do theirs. Uh, you know, I think the Canucks can really put a scare into the flames and, and, and that might change a lot of attitudes in Calgary. What about Patterson, John? His agent said, Pat Brisson said yesterday that he wants to wait until the end of the year. What do you think is the motivation here behind the Patterson camp wanting to wait this one out? Well, not to be a broken record, but it's two years away, boys. Oh, it's yes. two years. Two years of, of possession, but two if they years wanna... of possession. Yeah, yes. two years of possession. Yeah, come on, let's enjoy the one year first. Let's enjoy this year. Let's get him to the next level. Let's can we? I, I, I listen. I know, but where's the cap a year from now? I think there's enough questions with the growth of the team, with where the money's going to come from with who's going to get re-signed of the other guys, with who's not going to be in the club. I think that both sides can take their time for this year. But I'm really I'm really the advocate of, hey, guys, I mean, I can understand one year out when you can sign a long-term deal, like you know, what Nylander's facing, but what they solved the problem with Austin Matthews in Toronto. But we're two years out for Pedersen. Mm-hmm. Please, can we just enjoy one year of, Pedersen playing the game. So you're unflapped by all of this. It is, there's totally. nothing there. Yeah. Totally. Okay. Totally. This is, this is smoke and mirrors and this is don't fall into Pat's game. I love Pat. Pat's brilliant. Don't fall into the game. All right. We'll make a quota for Shannon. One hit per month on Pedersen. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, One question per month. Hey, John, it's not that's, like. Not go ahead. I've never tried to produce everything before in my life. That's yes, true. Yes, that's true. <laughs> See? See, he's producing the show from afar. Lie, therein lie the pitfalls <laughs> of having a former executive producer, no less, Blake. He's drinking a beer on the, on the deck exactly. and radium. He's programming our show. No, no, hey, hey. 
Just for you guys, black coffee. Oh, oh very nice. Right, right, You right. get the sober one. That's yeah, good. There we yeah. go. Um, hey, it's not like they were particularly prompt on this announcement last year, albeit they had an expiring radio deal. So I think it was a little more understandable that it took until the last minute or close to. But um, what are you hearing on Canucks broadcast rollout? We haven't heard that from the club yet. When do you think that's going to take place? I, that's a great question. Uh, um, and, and by the way, I think we're hearing and seeing um, the rollout slow across the country. Yeah, I haven't seen anything for other teams, too. You're right. Yeah. No, yeah. no. and, and um, in the Vancouver scenario, you do have to wonder. Uh, we, all, we all know that Dave Tomlinson's coming back, which is great for Dave. I'm thrilled for him. He's, I think he's a great broadcaster. I think he'll do a good job. Um, but what role does he have TV and radio? Um, you know, the other who fills in on, you know, the other 20 games, it's rumored to be Ray Ferraro, but Ray Ferraro has other obligations. And so we haven't, we've seen the, finally seen the ESPN schedule, but there, there are there other uh, permutations that Ray can't be seen outside the province because he still has an obligation to uh, TSN. I wonder if those kind of things are are factors in yeah. waiting. I also think I also think that in, in you know everybody hears about crunch time and money issues. Uh, how many exhibition games or what do they call them now preseason games? How many games before the regular season starts are we going to see teams do? Because I don't think we're going to see. I, I don't know about the Canucks, but I, I do know about a couple other teams. We're not we're not going to see every game televised by TSN or by Sportsnet yeah, in the preseason. So you wonder where that fits in. And I think they're trying to do a single blast. We were were spitballing on that, John, and we thought, hey, the all-Canadian matchups serve two markets. We can see them making sure that those games hit the TV. But if you're playing an American team in the preseason, maybe they don't bother. Like in Seattle. Right, yeah. And Now, will those games be available somehow? I bet you the clubs put them on their websites with the scoreboard feeds, Mm -hmm. which is... You know, for a preseason game, might be good enough. The it's a, it's is, a bit 2007, though, to do that. You know, like it's. I thought we were past that. Yeah, but we all know what the telcos are going through, money wise. Yep. Uh, and 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 we have to res- at a certain point. If you're a shareholder, you have to respect that. Um, and 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 the the other aspect of it is is I just I just wonder if if what the baseball team in our country, the influence of the baseball team is if. If the if the Blue Jays are playing well and the numbers reflect, now it's not that case this week. But do you want to compete against yourself financially against yourselves, or does TSN want to compete against the Jays that when they're red hot and playing a lot, they're they're drawing one five, one six, one seven. The numbers when the Jays are winning are spectacular, um, and so that's I, I wonder if that's a factor too. It sounds to me like. Mr. Shannon has some BC Can we see RCI portfolio? in his yeah. portfolio. Um, <laughs> you don't need to respond to that, John. Um, uh, just to, I, I, listen. I would, uh, I would, I would show it to you, but it's on my phone, or I don't want to. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, just one thing: if uh, for those who aren't aware, uh, ESPN has a stake in TSN. So if Ray is working for ESPN down south, then his ability to work for the competitor up here in Canada, of course, would be uh, gated via the ESPN deal. But John, you were also telling me that Rogers has like an option of taking, is it 12 different Canucks games national? And you don't think that's been quite worked out yet either to know which games are national, which games are regional? I 
all the teams that Rogers controls regionally. So that's Toronto for a small package. That's Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver. They have the ability to extend 12 regional games to the national level. So that's why last year you saw a lot of Thursday nights in, out of Edmonton in British Columbia. You saw it because it was, and it was the regular regional guys, Jack and Louie and, and Gene, doing a show that was seen coast to coast. Wasn't, wasn't either Wednesday night hockey or Monday night hockey or hockey night in Canada, but it was the regional package. Uh, they have that right to do it because they own the national deal and the regional deals. I'm not sure those deals have been working out. I think that that's what the schedule maker and the and the programmers at the networks are still working out at this point. Mm-hmm. I would like your two cents on what transpired this week on spitting chicklets with Paul Bissonette. Um, not necessarily who you believe, uh, whether it's Babcock and Jenner or, or 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 the report itself, but that Bissonette followed up as sort of crudely as he did with that tweet about we're a player's pod and we're going to stick up for players as well as serving on the TNT national panel, John, put your executive producer hat back on for me, uh, my friend, and tell me how you would be managing this situation. Well, I would have been on the phone and I would have told him to delete the tweet. Uh, and if he said he was big, too big to delete the tweet, then I would have another conversation with him. Here, here's the thing that I, I'm concerned about. I, Paul now has become, and I like Paul. Paul's been on our show. He's fun. He, he's got a good grasp of being an entertainer. Um, but being on Spit and Chicklets is different than being on TNT. When you're on TNT, you are a face of the league. You are a face of the game. You know, I have, if I had a 10-year-old son, 11-year-old son, and we were watching a TNT game, you know darn well that my son's going to be, you know, going on X and finding Paul Bissonnette's timeline. I don't want my 11-year-old son reading that stuff. I, I don't, I, and I, you know, I don't want some adults reading it either. I think that they, they find it crude and lewd. Uh, I think he has to be concerned with that kind of stuff. I think he has to watch that kind of stuff. Uh, I hope, for Paul's sake, um, and I would say this to Paul, if, I, if he worked for me or if I worked alongside him, I'd be happy to do it. Um, but I hope he learns from this because he has a lot of influence. The other and, channel. And he, can be, he can be better for the game without doing that kind of stuff. The other chapter that dovetails out of this story is, what does CBJ do going forward? Because um, even if we fully accept the CBJ statement, there's clearly people in that room that leaked the story yeah. that, that weren't as f- fabulous with, with the exercise and everything is going to be analyzed. And this was, this is part of the problem is that whether or not he's turned over a, lo- a new leaf, let's even accept he's turned over a new leaf. There's still going to be perceived toxicity. That's probably going to dog this team. How do they just operate as a normal team going forward? Mike Bob- Babcock has to be perfect. Like, <laughs> but even then, has to be perfect. they're going to perceive something perfect. that is unintended. And is like, and you know what? They better not go two and nine. They better go nine. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. That's absolutely right. Uh, uh, when I first saw that yesterday or first heard the report, I went, boy, this could be a really long year for yeah. Babs and Columbus. And then I caught myself and went, or maybe it's a very short year if they regret their decision on head coach. Enjoy the golf. Enjoy radium. Magnificent to have you back in your native BC. Thank you for this, Mr. Shannon. We'll catch up next week. Good to be home, boys. 
Harrison Price from Wall Center, presentation Apple at Auto Group. We've reached S versus P, our weekly debate segment. It's a presentation of Lyuna 1611, BC, BC's Laborers Union. They have contractors looking for their members to hire today. Check out 1611.ca, Lyuna 1611 has your back. Well, a very interesting week last week on S versus P. Does the captaincy matter? I voted yes, you voted no, or debated yes, you debated no. It was a exact tie on YouTube, was it, Grady? Yep. Wow. And the Twitter poll was running really close the entire time. You wound up winning 50.5 to 49.5. That's crazy. It's like Quebec referendum Bush v. Gore territory. Yes, yeah, hanging chads galore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're seven, two, and three this year. Whew. It's a good lead. Today's topic. Will missing the playoffs spell the end of the Patterson era in Vancouver? I will argue yes. Blake will argue no. Two minutes per argument. Mediator Grady Sass presiding. And of course, we ask you who are voting to vote on who made the better argument here not your personal feelings. On and we're, we're going to hear the results because this was the poll question yesterday. We're going to hear mm-hmm. the results from you, just your initial right. thoughts to the poll question coming up in just coming a, up later a few in minutes. The show. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, this will be interesting to cross-reference mm-hmm. all those results. All right. I'm going to shoot first here. Okay. Grady, let me know. All right, Matt. Mm-hmm. Your two minutes starts now. I know everybody is a huge PD fan. Don't want to consider a world where he's not a Vancouver Canuck. Neither do I. He's an amazing player to watch. We're lucky to have him. But let's not be ostriches here. He's cluing us. So is his agent. Rare is the athlete that doesn't take the money when it's available to them, and PD is doing just that. And that getting off to a good start explanation in Sweden, it makes no sense. Most every player wants a contract resolution heading into the season so that it isn't a quote-unquote distraction. They've made the playoffs just once in his career, and it was an expanded postseason field during the bubble. His tenure here has been surrounded by a dysfunctional organization and periodic shit shows. He and his agents say they want to wait and see how this year goes. This follows on his comments of a couple of years back of wanting to play for a perennial playoff team and a team that can contend. The Canucks are anything but. They haven't made the playoffs since. They've been through three head coaches since he made that statement. They gave JT Miller money, and as we all know, he and Elias are not exactly best buddies. He's entering his prime years, and despite his incredible two-way play last year, they finished 12 points out of a playoff spot. That is not a near miss. Look, for those who say he's waiting for the cap to go up, fair enough. But the cap goes up for every team, so he could be waiting for the cap to go up and be waiting to see how the Canucks perform this season. Both things can, can be true. Plus... The Canucks could sign up a huge money right now, knowing full well the cap is going up. That's no secret. Everybody knows the score here. They could commit $11, 12000000 for next year already, right here and now. Athletes these days taking much greater control of their careers and where they play out look no further than the last two summers, Kachuk, Dubois, Debrinket, and patience beyond this year, plus committing to an organization that by any measure is still not a cup contender. That's a hope bet and doesn't jibe with his prime years. Make no mistake. This is a make-or-break year for the Canucks and for retaining PD services. Just. 
At least I made it to the bunker. See how quick yeah. he was speaking there, Blake. Oh, I knew uh. I had to pick up the pace a little bit at the end there. Last week, I left a lot of seconds on the clock, and I, when I went back and looked, how did I leave that much time on the clock? I realized I font size. I was writing in a much bigger font. I think I need to start how using that buzzer oh. more when you're uh, talking too much or too quick on the show. It's hmm. quality, not quantity. It, well. What I'm really depressed about is how big I need the font size these days. Yeah, yes, there's that. Okay, ready to go, Grady? Yep, your two minutes starts now. Does missing the playoffs change things for the Canucks vis-a-vis uh, Elias Pettersson? Sure it does, but does it chase him away entirely? No. Pettersson's a smart guy. He knows that the full picture will matter. Nuance matters. So black and white decision of playoffs or not isn't going to be the full story. What it may do is shorten the contract. Pedersen is 24 right now, and rather than accept the qualifying offer, I could see a non-playoff year pushing his camp to, say, three years. You have three years to get this going fully in the right direction, or we're out. Heck, it might be two. Both would allow him to take UFA status into the next contract negotiations and allow him then to take a monstrous max deal that would cover the rest of his prime years. You don't see many prime 26, 27-year-old UFAs anymore, but those are the ones that hit huge pay dirt. Heck, if he gets there, you could see him become one of the top five paid players in the league because you overpay for UFAs on the open market. And he's a two-way player, all situations now, capable of 100 points and still young even then at 26 or 27 years of age. So Pedersen could give the chemistry with his buddies here, another couple kicks of the can, and then go to the highest bidder. Remember, he's never said that second sentence, that important one. He said, I want to give it the year. But he's never followed up and said, in case I want to leave. It's more likely what he means is, I want to give it the year before I decide how much longer I'm going to give this organization to figure it out. This team is close enough, and certainly the guys in the room will have a rosier view than those of us outside of it, but you can bet they think they are close to getting over the hump. Thing is, they need actual proof now. They have a close miss. Maybe PD says three years. They make it, maybe even win around. Then he's ready to commit. <clears throat> How about that? Under the two minutes. Grady, when's the last time you heard an athlete say, in case I want to leave? <laughs> Anyways, over to you, the jury, for voting. Need to win. Oh, he's campaigning. Not allowed to I do that. To I need to win, too. No, you don't. You got seven. I've got a meager two. But it's like the, it's like the UFA. Sure, I could make $7 million a year. I would prefer eight. I just want a third win. Thanks for watching, everyone. A reminder, if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube and be sure to vote in the comment section. Smash that button. S versus P, a presentation of Layuna 1611. BC Laborers Union. Check out 1611.ca. Layuna has your back. Secured some price from Neighborhood Brewing downtown Penticton. Of course, a presentation of Applewood Auto Group. You can text us 778-402-9680. It's the Great Clips text message inbox. Great Clips. It's going to be great. Like the weather in Penticton this weekend. This is absolutely gorgeous. Everyone making the trip to Young Stars. Boy, you couldn't have picked a better weekend. 30 degrees. Summer continues here. here. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, it's always summer in the Okanagan. Sure. <laughs> 
poll question results from yesterday, Bodog poll question we asked you, would missing the playoffs mean the end of the Elias Pettersson era in Vancouver? Yes or no, Blake? What did the people say? People said no. No, they said yes. Real? Yeah, the angst is real here. And wow. Well, because I think a lot of fans go, I'd be fed up if I was in his skates. It's 76, almost 77%. I would not have predicted that. Wow. Said, uh, yes, uh, Burray's flow says 100% and will make the late end surge in the Bedard draft even more infuriating after losing your star player. Uh, CDN Hustler says, do people forget he's an RFA? And that is true. He is club controlled for one more year. Leaf in Vancouver, rightly so, for multiple reasons. And... Uh, Aaron says, I think the offer the Canucks made to Pedersen was a little low. I believe once they find the right number, this will be a dead story. And we talked about projecting his contract earlier in the show, and it may well be that they haven't necessarily reached reached his number. Errors and omissions from yesterday's program, Blake, and we were talking about the age of youngish, to steal Chris Faber's line, stars yes. here in Penticton. You mentioned there was a San Jose Shark once upon a time that you thought was... 26 or 27. I stand by that assertion. I don't know who it was. <laughs> I investigated Ben Ferriel. That was the name, first name that sprung to mind. The oldest I could see him here, he was 24 at one well, point here. Because the thing is, is when this tournament started, San Jose, who participated for one or two years, yeah, I want to say, think, yeah. was such a good team and was in that portion of their team cycle where they had traded away a lot of picks. They had a ready-made, absolutely, like Stanley Cup contending level club. So I I think they had to draw on their mid-20s guys just to fill out a roster here for young stars. Time now for Blake's Bodog line of the day. Bodog, your source for casino games, poker strategy, sports odds. Who you like, what you got? Well, uh... For the Whitecaps to get in the second place in the conference, lots needs to break their way. Not that uh, the season doesn't end this weekend, but it would be kind of fun just to see the Whitecaps in second. Lots needs to break their way. Let's go to the best team that they need to uh, leapfrog. That's LAFC. Mm -hmm. You have to cheer on the Galaxy. But hey, fair enough. This is El Trafico. They're going to bring their best. Plus 400 on Galaxy to beat FC. On your Bodog line of the day. Thanks for listening, everybody. A reminder, subscribe to us in Rinkwide wherever you get your podcasts. And please, of course, follow on social, Twitter, Insta, TikTok, Facebook, YouTube, and, of course, support the community sponsors you hear us talking about. Keep it local.